everybody, and welcome back to your favorite G.I. Joe podcast show. This is Knowing is Half the Podcast. We're in quarantine from our various places of being, but this week we're talking about, hey, folks, it's election season, so don't get too excited. We're going to do an episode of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, as suggested off of Patreon by, I believe, Channing Sherman, the man. And uh, it, it's a two-parter Hulk Hogan episode. The second part is all about elections. How timely can this be? Uh huh. It's it 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 made it made a lot of sense watching it. I I really understood our current times because of this 1985 cartoon. Also, thank you, Channing Sherman. I feel like I feel like Channing is always giving us suggestions. Real good suggestions. Yeah. I mean, you I know. Just- It was hard to tell the difference between that episode of Hulk Hogan and the real world we live in today. I got a little confused because it was really on the nose for the year 2020. Episode of Veep. (laughs) I mean, I have to say, I was expecting, I feel like we've watched one other episode of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. And it involved a boat or something. It was like yeah, a was cruise a ship. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that one had some that one had some action in it. Like I I think someone was trying to escape from someone, and they were chasing each other around the boat. And this one had no wrestling and no action. None. And I don't. I just don't understand the theme of this cartoon. If especially the first episode <laughs> of the two, which didn't have to be wrestling related at all that was great uh well, i'll tell you what Hulk, <laughs> yeah. first off this is knowing is half the podcast but i didn't say before and i am race to canis robert clark chan i'm gina ippolito and okay there we go now we've said our names so you know who we are so we're official we're on the board uh this is hulk hogan's rock and wrestling and this is a two half episodes uh merged together this is from like the midpoint of season one uh the first episode is uh, uh Mula's what is it Mula's Ugly Salon, which is great, yeah. and then the other one is Ballot Box Boneheads. Which yeah, I love the, the the title cards for each were like old, like in my mind, like old Warner Brothers animations where they had mm-hmm. like a little action thing of just like the character like in a, in an action of doing something while all the like the front credits were on it. I, I kind of appreciated that. Also, didn't this only run for one season? You said it was halfway through the first season. How many seasons were there? Um, I, I'll be honest. I I didn't want to assume it only ran for one season, but it probably only ran for one. I was trying to I was trying to cage it there. But yeah, no, you, you were in, yeah. in in case any of these uh, wrestlers are currently listening to our podcast and they go, "Oh, it ran for two seasons." Race to Canis of knowing is half the podcast. <laughs> That's what the wrestlers I'm worried seasons. about. Did it? Oh, there it is. Hey, oh boom. my god! I apologize to Rowdy Roddy Piper. Odd job, well, whoever the other Odd guy job. was. That's Mr. Fuji. That's, don't be racist. Yeah. Mm, mm, <laughs> boo, Gina, boo. Oh my God, Mr. Fuji. Uh, yeah, don't be don't be racist with these '80s <laughs> racial caricature characters uh, from the WWF at the time. Is one of them based oh. off of the other? The look is like there's a bowler hat, and uh, like like seriously, pull you know, Would it surprise to you to, to find out? I'm almost guaranteeing they're based on each other <laughs> because Vince McMahon, when he creates characters, only knows one type of uh, archetype for each uh, uh, a racial makeup, unfortunately. Also, is there a flying guy in, in one of these episodes? Because that would be Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Yep. How, how, I don't know. He, nope, he, nope, nope. Whatever you're go- about nope. to do, you're going to try and logic something out. You're going to try and figure <laughs> out why a thing is, you're just going to hurt yourself and everyone around you. How does he fly? I don't know. Mm, no, no, no. Uh, he Gina. flies from a tree at some point, And I was like, is this a, a, a cartoon only character that has superpowers? What's happening? No. 
No, that is famous uh, famous professional wrestler Jimmy Superfly Snuka, a barefoot wrestler famed for jumping off the top top of the cage okay. uh, at one point. And very, also very murdering girlfriends. Oh. Well, allegedly, allegedly, by, he by did. flying mm, onto them. So he flies convenient. the same way a flying squirrel flies. That is correct. All right, all right, that makes more sense. If if you ask any of the, are any of these characters made up for the cartoon? Sadly, no. <laughs> uh, Every single okay. person is I mean, based mo- on an actual say, human being. I will say most of them, I I at least somewhat recognized Andre the Giant and stuff like that, but uh, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Great who, guy. Who, Great who guy. by the way. Because in the second episode, he's the main villain. And uh, I only, every time we do something that has Rowdy Roddy Piper in it, I Mm. only know him from They Live. That's wild to me. Now, that's a great movie, but that is insane. But he's the hero of that movie. So every Mm -hmm. time, and I get that he was a heel, but every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yay, yay, I want him to succeed. Here's the thing. Uh, As a (laughs) child, I thought the same thing watching him wrestle. That's the funny thing is watching him wrestle. Well, he didn't wrestle when I was a kid. He was really just an announcer and he hosted the uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's pit where he did interviewed people. But like even back in the like, I'd say maybe 86, 87, when I was watching uh, the WWF stuff uh, a little bit, at least uh, he'd already been done wrestling at that point, which is just oh. wild to me. Is he that like uh, he wrestled in the 2000s, Ray? No, I'm not saying he do- he didn't have in-ring appearances, but as far as being a, a wrestler on TV uh, consistently, he was not at the point when I was watching wrestling. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Ray just challenged Rowdy Roddy Piper to an in-ring uh, fight. Uh, no uh, rules. Mm, uh, boy, uh, this is not going to... Uh, oh, uh, no, what? What? He he clearly... He, it's going to happen. You can, uh, you can bet money on it. I will say though, I did uh, one of one of my biggest things uh, in my in my storied wrestling career was uh, I was on a card with Roddy Roddy Piper uh, here in Los Angeles. Um, not you know maybe a few years before he passed away. So um, I did oh, get he... to like meet him, say hi, and I mean obviously one of the greatest guys, one of the greatest guys. Also, um, I didn't realize he died. I thought I was thinking he died like two years ago. It was 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was a few years ago. Um, uh, I probably I... had a, yeah a show a few years before that. <laughs> I'm sure I've mentioned this previously, but I, he was on a sketch show that I uh, uh, did, and I got oh, to write and perform in a right. sketch with him. Yeah, I think and I remember that. And it was that. one of the high points of my life. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty. That's pretty dope. That's also fantastic. we should go yeah. through all these characters and figure out how many of them are still alive because I bet it's not going to be many. Hey, we know the Iron Sheik's alive. That's all we need. <laughs> oh, that was the Iron Sheik. Uh, oh. Okay. Jada, that's no. the, who else would that going to no. be? All right, let's. JYD, let's, no. So first no. off, let's talk about the. We'll we'll get to the wrestlers because uh, we got some. I got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Believe it or not, I know you believe it. Uh, this opening this is song. insane. It's insane. It's great. I remember. It's great. I remember it from the last time, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is insane," and I forgot the 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 switch between cartoons and live action and and Hulk Hogan, who, by the way, opposite problem with rowdy roddy because I, I i was always like oh yay rowdy roddy's the nice guy and now i'm like oh hulk hogan the racist yeah he's uh, a monster but uh, but i do I remember like yeah that as a child i was also rooting against hulk hogan <gasps> so oh, me too. Me i'm too. a bit of a trendsetter wow i i liked him in the 80s he had this there was this show with like where he was i guess he was a fat kid when he was little and 
and then he had a special where it was uh, like, Gina, you're, you're thinking of Life with Louie. That was Louie Anderson. <laughs> no, that wasn't I'm serious. It was on like Nickelodeon or something. And it was like, it starts with him as a fat kid being picked on. And then he grows up to be Hulk Hogan. And it was basically like, hey, don't pick on kids because like, don't pick on fat kids because they might turn out to be Hulk Hogan. And it was also like, hey, fat kids, have hope. You might turn out to be Hulk Hogan. Uh, why start with uh, discover steroids you (laughs) could why not start with don't be don't you know be mean to fat kids because they're human beings no only do it because of the selfishness that they might become hulk hogan someday and beat you up ray i need a reason to not be mean to people (laughs) i mean it's true (laughs) why fight it but watching this and watching everyone he's he's walking down the street and he's pointing (laughs) pointing to random people and and then they all run up and run with him (laughs) and and everything even in that moment is terrible like when he's walking down the street and pointing i was legitimately like how can you be a bad actor when your one direction is walk and point it's so great look this seems like i want to hear part of this theme song in just a sec uh chan um but it's so it's great uh it got me real pumped up to watch this the the piano the crowd chanting but the whole thing that gina's talking about it's fucking crazy because hulk hogan it's a crane shot so it's way far away and way high up if you haven't seen it and hulk hogan is literally walking down the street by himself and just flexing and pointing at random (laughs) things like a crazy homeless person and then all these people just start mobbing him and they just like they almost like pull him down (laughs) from their excitement and the crane just like pulls away and i'm like what the what world is this happening in this is incredible I will say everything about this, including the vignettes in between episodes, feels like a current sketch team at a comedy theater put it like like filming something in an hour on a weekend when their whole team was together. They were like, all right, we're just going to do this. Uh, One guy is going to be walking down the street and pointing. We're all going to join him. Uh, Also, then we're going to do a bit where someone lassos a chair and we'll sort of slap it together in editing crudely. It does not this feel is like an actual show. 2006 sketch comedy in a nutshell is what you just yeah, said. Yeah, exactly, exactly. With two things. One, uh, that whole like walking down the street and getting mobbed by fans was an exaggeration, but not by much. Because there was a point when he was so big yeah. that like, yeah, like if you if he was came out, I was like, hey, everybody, let's go. We're going to fucking like walk to uh, we're going to walk down the street. A crap ton of people would just get behind him because like he's fucking Hulk Hogan. Oh, That's yeah, amazing. Rocky, Rocky three days. He would have he would have been torn to shreds oh. by fans. The rest, the best I mean, Rocky movie. Also, like he he stayed he stayed relevant for a while. He had that he had that freaking reality show before everyone realized he was racist and and also maybe selling sex tapes to tabloids of his wife. Well, mm-hmm. those of us who have been involved in wrestling for a while have known he was terrible for a very long time. <laughs> it was Why not exactly you tell a the rest secret. of the world, Ray. Well, we you know you don't you don't tell those stories. There is a story about Hulk Hogan from his wrestling days. I do want to share because I find it interesting, um, and I'm sure it's been heard before. Um, but the the way the story goes is he he showed up for his like first day of wrestling school, and things were different back then. Okay, this is back I believe in the seventies. Now I'm picturing and, uh, Hulk Hogan with a little lunchbox and a trapper keeper. Oh yeah, but he mm-hmm. was he was big and he was he was uh, I mean he was big. He had the long blonde hair that wasn't going away at the time, and he was just full of muscles. And he had this sort of like you know a, a very uprightness about him and an attitude. Uh, and he walked in for that first day at wrestling school. 
and pissed everybody off. He, they did not like him. They mm-hmm. basically were just like, F this guy. He is so full of himself. He doesn't understand what we're doing. This guy's a, a joke. And so on his very first day of wrestling school, the teacher had him get down uh, 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 in like an all fours position, like you were about to flip over the top of him. And he said, get down on all fours, and then we're going to have somebody roll up and just do some simple rolls over you, uh, which is like day you know, first week wrestling school stuff. He's like, okay, he gets down all fours. The wrestling teacher got in behind him and then dropped a knee and a shin on the back of Hulk Hogan's uh, uh, unprotected leg uh, between the knee and the foot and smashed his ankle, like literally broke his ankle on the first day of wrestling school and then said, uh, now get the fuck out of here. Oh, I don't <laughs> and, like that. And Hulk Hogan, to his credit, healed up came back and said now i'm serious now i'm ready and they and and, and did a much better job he had been humbled by that experience Ugh, i don't like anything about that story uh, any any story that involves hulk hogan getting injured makes me happy <laughs> what's where he's he i mean he's still alive and around today has he just been excommunicated because of his bad behavior oh, no 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 he's around he's around he's they, doing stuff. they bring him back every once in a while uh because he still draws money oh that's the like, thing is, uh, bring him back in what sense to like wrestling shows or yeah. like appearances or yeah. oh mostly just racist uh, diatribes is he um, is he making is he making campaign videos for trump we have to assume i'm <laughs> su- surprised none of have surfaced uh i do want to say in reference to uh like the we- like the cheap ass sketch stuff that you saw there is a uh promotion called all elite wrestling Mm. You may or may not have heard of it. I've heard it's of the show, a podcast about it. I haven't heard of the actual show, though. Oh, me? I've I've never heard of it. Uh, that, those people really should uh, uh, talk about their show more. They Jesus. should probably do it on other mediums that they're involved in. They really ought to. Uh, they have a they they basically have a YouTube show that they started before they got television uh, because it wasn't a thing yet. So you know they were just creating their own TV show basically, and essentially what it is because it's still around they still do it uh and put it out it's you know like sort of like backstagey stuff where they kind of blur the line between you know the story and like the real people and all that but also there are just because it's all just like here's a handheld camera we're just going to shoot it and pretend like you know we're uh, it's just us hanging out you know just like a a kid would do you know put on youtube or whatever and they have sketches like legitimate i the other week there was a sketch for uh me phone which is uh vicky guerrero and uh diamante or um uh, hispanic wrestlers and th- it was a, a, a s- they were like selling the me phone which was uh like a a, a latinx uh, phone and instead of siri it uh it, it said things with like a, a, a latin a, a spanish accent and there were jokes about you know uh latinx culture and it was just that. It was only that. It was like a minute and a half long. It was legitimately a level one sketch. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like th- there is this crossover between wrestling and comedy that is is way more concrete than you would expect. Yeah. The fact that I found out that all the comedy writers I know here in Los Angeles have all at least been approached by the WWE at one point to write for them, uh, with the exception of me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I, I don't get my feelings hurt by that. I will say that uh, uh, the sketches and stuff on this show, and we can talk about this first one here. Oh, I want to hear the theme song. Can we hear the theme song, Chan? We know you're trying to get away with not playing it by doing a five minute story am. about AEW. Yeah, but no, uh, no, I want to hear this theme song. <laughs>
They're chanting Hulk in case. Anyway, right. the stuff if memory that wasn't great, but if you were hearing it in its full symphonic uh, 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 sound, you would you would, would literally still... be punching the roof right now. Yeah, it's no, pretty cool. It would still be terrible. It no, would still it's pretty be terrible. Cool. Pretty cool. It's great. I, I got real pumped up watching. I was like, boy, I know I know a garbage cartoon is coming, but I'm pumped up in this moment, and that's that's what all theme song can do for me, you know. <laughs> Um, let's talk about this. I want to talk about this wonderful sketch, though, with my maybe my favorite wrestling personality of all time, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, uh, rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, he's, yeah uh, he's the guy. He honestly, his heel nature is what got me into wrestling as a kid. Just Wait, watching which guy? him, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the guy the selling one... the hot dogs. Yeah, was oh. that who was buying it? Was it Mean Gene? Yeah, no, no, yeah. Mean Gene was uh, selling it because he's the one that got duped. No, but Mean Gene was mean buying Gene was the buying. hot dogs. But that yeah. was that was the first guy because I recognized Mean Gene, which I was proud of myself. Uh, mm. and, but the other guy, I had no idea. There were a couple yeah. people throughout that I was like, "Is this a real? Who the hell is this?" <laughs> Everybody's real, Gene. I promise. Now, Bobby the Brain Heenan famed a wrestling manager, and then he later went on to be like the announcer and sort of like desk guy in the studio for the Monday Night Raw show way back in the day. I mean, we're talking like late 90s uh, uh, or mid 90s even at that point um, and he's just one of the greatest uh, just one of the greatest heel characters of all time uh, and it's him it's his gimmick he's selling hot dogs for 25 cents mean oh, jeans that's is- a real gimmick like he usually does that no 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 oh no, no, got no. it got it <laughs> i use the word gimmick very loosely gene it's, okay it's i thought that was like his thing right. like he goes into the wrestling ring starts selling hot dogs they turn out to amazing. have weird shit in them and then he upsells them and forgive me, because we're doing this show, I'm, my, my terminology is probably going to be very skewed. And so if I do say anything that you don't understand more than usual. I mean, I understand go ahead and let it. Me know. Okay. So he sells hot dogs for 25 cents. And Mean Gene's like, oh, my God, 25 cents for a hot dog. I would love to buy a hot dog. He, mean Gene eats the hot dog. It turns out he loaded it with hatch chilies and very spicy materials. So now he says, oh, I need some water. And Bobby Heenan says, I will sell you water. 20 bucks. That's the I mean, such a great bit. It's a great good bit. bit. And to be fair, I blame Mean Gene for this. He know he knows what he he knows who he's up against. Yeah. It's like he's never uh, been tricked by Bobby Heenan before. Exactly. You know, it that is that is his role. That is his Lotzi. That is his uh commedia dell'arte character, is that he uh goes in with the perpetual innocence of a child. And is constantly duped by the bad guy. And you think about, like, I think about Bobby the Brain Heenan. I kind of think of, like, a Fox News host personality. Like, if that person was bringing that gimmick, but it wasn't political. Yeah. (laughs) If they were just bringing this, I'm going to lie openly to your face and then justify it afterwards. Uh And I'm going to lie and I'm going to rob you. And I'm going to pull scams all the time. can't beat up anybody. Like, they would, if they were out in the, if if society broke down and it became a The Stand-esque dystopian future, they would immediately get their asses kicked by pretty much anyone. But also, what I like about Mean Gene is that in so in these vignettes, some of these wrestlers are the absolute worst actors that I've ever seen. There's like one of them is openly reading off of off of a teleprompter. Look, or I know you're talking about Terry Funk. Funk right now, and how dare you? I mean, it's it's whoever the giant guy was. Uh, oh, excuse me, no. 
that was Big John Stud. Yeah, he was. I'm sorry. He's he's sorry, Terry openly Funk. looking off, like it's it's like an episode of SNL, except the, you know these guys had this script for a week in advance, so there's no <laughs> excuse for it, and he can't keep just like one line of dialogue in his head. Mean Gene is actually a good actor. Like like yeah. if I saw this dude on a sketch team, I would be like, oh that guy's that guy's good. He's better than the other guys. Like he's out of all of the guys doing vignettes in between, he's the best. And and I would hope that he would be because that's sort of like literally like his jam on the show. He's the facilitator of everybody else. Yeah. So he 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 should be good. Is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm just saying my bar is real low, and <laughs> that's fine. Uh, this first cartoon, speaking of bars being low, it's called Mula's Ugly Salon. Okay, so and is Mula up- a real person? That is the fabulous Mula. She's one of the actually, Gina. You should know fabulous Mula. She's one of maybe the most pre- preeminent uh, female wrestlers from like two generations ago. That, that's and she yeah. was. She, yeah, she was on TV. Her and uh, 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 May Young were both on TV. Uh, up through the mid to late 2000s, I believe. Yeah, this is uh, why I was surprised because I because I was assuming all of these were real characters, real people, and I have never heard that name. And I feel like I would rena- remember a name like Moolah. Yeah, a feminist icon. I'll go ahead and put it out there. Chan, do you disagree? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've watched that uh, Vice Wrestling series. I have not. Um, it's called Dark Side of the Ring. They are fascinating. You should watch all of them because even if you don't know who these people are uh, or any of any of the stories, uh, you will you it will blow your friggin' mind. Uh, yeah, and I'm Mula surprised is, Ray hasn't hasn't watched it to be honest. Uh, you Ray. know, I don't, I don't. It's a Canadian Ray. show, first off, so you know. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper is Canadian. And what's Vice TV? What even is that? <laughs> uh the no you you should uh you should and uh the uh one with mula is is disturbing oh no uh i every, literally the entire the entire wrestling business is a shit show it it came from carnies and it's still deeply infused by that uh that creepy insular you know uh violent uh background and it's an awful awful place and I love it dearly, but also it's terrible. And um, any anything anything that you like, d- don't because there's a horrible story behind it. I want to see the life and crimes of New Jack. Now that I'm looking at it on my thing right here, like it New Jack, is... one of the most fascinating human beings in all of wrestling history. Yes, yes, he is a very <laughs> interesting person. He uh, every every time he cut a promo, I just assumed it was real <laughs> because it probably it was. was. <laughs> He has a story about getting stabbed with a Bowie knife in the butt that <laughs> he told on ECW oh, and watching him tell the story. I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is a gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The, um, the stories about those matches with Vic Grimes are horrifying. Oof, and then they show the video and you're like, Oh my God, why is he not dead? <laughs> That's a great question. Now, yeah, I see the fabulous Mule episode. Two parters on Chris Benoit. Less said about that, the better. I don't know if that I might be able to watch that. That's a pretty uncomfortable was subject matter for me personally. But Chavo gets to say a lot, and that's good. Was his signature move uh, stuffing Benoit balls up his anus? Um, had that been all he was known for, he would have ten times the reputation he has today. <laughs> 
Uh, less said about that, the better. Okay, so let's talk about Mula's ugly salon. So we have Nikolai Volkov, famed 80s Russian wrestler, always a bad guy because of the Cold War, uh, teamed up with the Iron Sheik a whole heck of a lot because, you know, we're also racist. And well, fabulous to be Mula, fair, with what was going on in the world at the time, those were our, I mean, that, like, that, Cuba, toss toss Cuba in there, like Russia, Cuba, you know what I mean? In the Middle East back then. Not not good relationship with the US. Did we have a reason to hate the Middle East in the 80s, or would we just hate brown people? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is a great, and this is just a this is just a comedic bit right here. Like this is how you write television, as far as I'm concerned. You have these two characters, both bad guys, both the protagonist of this episode, somehow. Fabulous Mula has apparently a sister named Beautiful Mula who runs her own beauty salon, and she has to go get her what she have to do? Go get her hair done or something to work out. Just to do a oh, workout. Yeah, I don't, I don't but but so is her sister a real person? Oh, she's going to the dentist. She's going Sorry. to the dentist. There we go. I didn't write that down because I didn't care. Uh, uh, no, that no. character did not exist previously. Okay, okay. And and Mula it was a bad a bad guy, right? I mean, yeah. they all go back and forth, but for the purposes of this, Mula is a bad guy. Yes. Okay. What a what a what a weird fucking. So Mula has to go watch her sister's salon for the day, and of course, hilarity ensues because she knows nothing about uh, uh, beauty and salons. It's the basics of comedy. What a weird premise for a wrestling show. Thank you. <laughs> like a wrestling same. cartoon that, and you know, like I, I, anything that got women into cartoons in the eighties, like, yay. But imagine being the writer that pitched that episode that was like, okay, so you know what people like about wrestling is action and fighting and, and, uh, uh, you know, wrestling fans are known for loving women. Uh, so why don't we make a woman, the star of this episode and have her run a salon. See, this makes sense to me because, uh, well, a couple of things. One, Gina, this is a show that transcends wrestling. Okay. It might've started as just being a show about wrestling, but it really takes these characters and their personalities and it takes them to another higher state of being. And so this perfectly makes sense. You don't need action in your wrestling show if you have a beauty salon involved. It's so I was expecting some sort of wrestling twist at some point. Like I was expecting one of the customers to be a wrestler getting ready for their big night. And then they fuck up their hair or their nails or whatever. And then they're like, oh, buddy, you you fucked up my hair for my big wrestling debut. I'm going to get you. And then like them wrestling destroys the salon. I was waiting for something. And from sure. start to finish, it was the same thing. And it was just such a weird ass premise. Well, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, basically. And, and uh, Cindy Lauper w- w- had a big hand in this. In the end credits, it says that the rock and wrestling concept was created by this one guy and Cindy Lauper. I love um, her. I love her. She, she was, she was buds with a bunch of them. Yeah, she was amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I'll the, say was. I'll say uh, earlier this year, she really took a, a downturn for me. <laughs> what? What she did? She do something terrible? No. No. She's no. Still just personally. Just doing, personally, I've just I've soured on her. That's all. She's doing kinky boots. She's talking about her psoriasis. She's great. She is great. <laughs> I take it all back. She's wonderful. I'm just kidding. Uh, at, this was a point where Vince McMahon had. Uh, just basically t- taking the WWF um, national. It used to be a territory. He's making it national. He's spreading out, and he's deciding that uh, these aren't just wrestlers. They're going to be like uh, co- pop cultural icons. Yep. 
so and he was right for the record. Yeah, I mean, he, he did this right. thing. Uh, he, look, Hollywood is it thirty odd years later, and you ask somebody who the million dollar man Ted DiBiase is, they can not only tell you, they can tell you one of his bits, and they can do his laugh. That's how in- ingrained eighties wrestling was to our entire generation. Yeah, and part of that was he uh, made it for children. And that also meant that sort of separating some of the violence from it because it was the 80s and, you know, parents were all up in arms about uh, violence. So it was like, OK, cool. I will sell my uh, intellectual properties for children and they're not going to be punching anybody in the face. Uh, but, you know, here's the big, bad uh, uh, Russian dude. Here's the uh, cool, hip black guy. Okay. Here is um, the flying squirrel. Um, <laughs> like, and yeah, goddamn here, here. Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan <laughs> is just Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm pretty sure he he just went to uh, uh, the guy who uh, put together the show. I forget it. Jeffrey Scott. And just said, like, okay, like, uh, make a cartoon. Here's good guys and bad guys. Now just put them in cartoon situations. <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, and yeah, that's part of the thing that we, we walk away now thinking uh, of this for 40 years later. I mean, even even in terms of just normal cartoon, like because, yes, this just this just feels like it, it doesn't have to be wrestling themed. It could be any episode of a cartoon where a character's sister comes and says, I need you to watch this thing. And then you fuck it up. It's still a weird, weird premise. It's, but it's a that, classic premise. Classic that being premise said, I enjoy, I enjoyed the part where it was, how, how are they going to mess this up? The woman who comes in and says, I'm supposed to get an herb, you know, an herb treatment on my hair. And he goes, all right, what has herbs in it? Pasta sauce. I was Spaghetti like, yep, sauce. all right, that's, that's, yeah. that's a good bit. Oh, mud uh, facial. So learned... she she dumps the mud out of the flower pot and puts it on the lady's face. Come on, this yeah. is basic stuff here. I just learned today uh, today that uh, Italians in New Jersey call that gravy. So, some Italians, some Italians, wow. not all Italians. It's very Gina, indicative. defend your people. It, it's very yeah, it's very indicative of where where you're from, uh, uh, both in Italy and in New Jersey. And there is a there is a big debate of among Italians of is it gravy or is it sauce. And you are uh, currently I'm sauce, but I saw one of my cousins post something and say, we just started the gravy. And I realized, oh, when I was little, I guess that that was what they called it. And then, you know, as as I got older and relatives started dying and holidays got smaller and smaller, I got I got whiteified, I guess. <laughs> So, you know, we so, yeah, a lot of wacky stuff happens here. I think one of my favorite moments is Mean Gene Okerlund appears because he does this. He appears like as a reporter on the scene for every episode. So he's like in the hair salon, even though he's bald. He's like in like the hair uh-huh. uh, drying machine, which I thought is a hilarious bit. Um, yeah, and they're just doing a terrible job over the big question that I had. And this is to, to put throw a beautiful moolah, the actual owner under the bus is does no one else work for her at this beauty salon? Because. <laughs> If she actually had an employee, maybe they couldn't have done so much damage. That's true. Also, the fact that once once a customer shows up, because I was thinking, oh, maybe this is this is I realize I'm overthinking a cartoon, but uh, maybe this was going to be her slow day and and blah blah blah. But people just keep showing up and saying, I have an appointment, so they're not walk-ins. She knew that there were about seven people who all had appointments. She clearly, just with her. I guess just with her and, in, yeah. and you know, she gets, she leaves no instructions, but you know, it's fun, fun, funny and, bit, fun uh, ensues. 
lady brings in Fifi the dog, and then instead of shampoo, they use Nair, and they take off all of her hair. So they first off draw on the mirror, and then turn her around, and she's like, oh, it looks pretty good. And then they came like, we need something fluffy. So they get the dog and put it on her head. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's like, this is the best my hair has ever looked. I mean, I'm look, this is low. This is low hanging comedy. But I mean, it's fine. It's hitting all the notes. It's hitting all the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't hate it. I didn't, I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. Like this didn't. <laughs> the other Hulk Hogan episode, I remember making me violently upset at how stupid it was making me feel. I and this, yeah, this, this is just is, old timey comedy. It's fine. This is technically comedy. Yes, <laughs> technically. Comedy. Yeah, there's there's the dog on the head. There's the pasta sauce. There's the flower pot mud. Uh, uh, and then of course all the customers come back and try to try to trash the place. Oh, and should be pointed out, as soon as he started talking, you know, one of the uh, cast members of this show has sat in the great Chanchin, uh, no, uh, Chanchin North apartment Indeed. for an episode of this show. Our mean friend Gene Neil Oakland. Ross. Yeah, Mean Gene Okerlund, Neil Ross, a uh, oh. big time G. Uh, uh, what a great get. He's fantastic. He, I honestly, uh, when I was listening to this uh, when I was a kid, he voice matched Mean Gene so well, I kind of thought it was just Mean Gene doing the voice. Oh, that's <laughs> cool that that was him. It is a shame that not everybody did such a good job of voice matching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because again, much like his his uh, uh, non-cartoon performance, he in the cartoons was the best actor. Which now, now it of course makes sense because makes it was sense. Neil so, Ross. I'll say right now, some uh, some big time uh, people uh, did voices for the show. I mean, we've talked before though. Brad Garrett, one of his first ever acting jobs, voice of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So Brad Garrett, who, everybody who, loved to be Raymond. fair, wasn't really in these episodes, so so hard to judge. Uh, he was in the second one, you know, a little bit more a than this one. A little bit, but not, not um, much. You've got uh, Pat Fraley, uh, who did the voice of Ace Airtight Barbecue in G.I. Joe, uh, and Pat Fraley did the voice of Hillbilly Jim on this show. Uh, you've got, oh, what do you got? James Avery uh, from Fresh Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, oh. and the Shredder plays Junkyard Dog. Uh, I, don't I don't know which Arquette this is. is, but Louis uh, Arquette uh, is the voice of Superfly Jimmy Snuka, who doesn't exist, according to Gina. Uh, and then uh, maybe one of the biggest, uh, outside of Neil Ross, the biggest name, Charlie Adler, uh, who's just a prolific voice actor. He did Buster Bunny and the Tiny Toon Adventures. He's still and working. He's he still has working. He's multiple incredible. credits from this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he he's... He's a workhorse. A lot of people don't know Charlie Adler um, uh, the way probably we do on the show because we we he's been in a ton of stuff that we've already done on this show. And he again, to what chance said, he's still working today. He did the voice of Rowdy Roddy Piper, so no! that's why Piper that's why Piper was so good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, because we know he's doing this at roughly the same time as he did Low Light. Who you know, say what you will about the character. One of the most uh, uh, Charlie memorable. Adler was low light. Yes. How oh, did I not know that? Oh my gosh, that memorable. makes so much sense. So, like, uh, is <laughs> his Rowdy Roddy Piper terrible? One hundred percent. However, that has to be a voice direction. They have to have said, like, look, just make him uh, as as uh, nondescript bad guy as possible. Just do a bad guy. Don't even listen to the original dude. Uh, we just want something that is uh, um, a basic, basic stereotype of a uh, bad guy for a cartoon. But it makes yeah. it even weirder. And, and you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we have some sound polls for the second episode to, to, to hear just how terrible he is. But it makes it even weirder that some of the actors are trying to voice match the real people yes. they're based on and others That's are correct. not. Like pick pick one and stick to it. 
because it just it's just so weird that there's like Hulk Hogan pretty much sounds like a version of Hulk Hogan. Mean Gene sounds like Mean Gene. And then there's other characters where you're like, what in what world is this this person? Yes. No, I, I the vol- vocal direction will just say is a little erratic because, yes, yeah, some of the people are voice matching. Some are not. But I mean, if you just I think they just told him just do a just do a bad guy voice. And, and they didn't give him any source material to work off of. And and maybe it's better that way because Rowdy Roddy Piper is so unique. He's so his own voice that to try to do an impression of that would probably be even worse than just doing a generic bad guy voice. Maybe fair. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, literally the the mob, the people at the salon get angry. They beat up Nikolai Volkov and Moolah. And then that's like the end of the episode. They get their asses kicked like that's it. That's all that happens in this episode. It's fantastic. That's what uh, which, happens to the heels. That's it. Uh, so let's talk about the next. This is the Big John Stud, uh, Mean Gene uh, live action bit that Gina was so excited about before. Oh, oh. First, <laughs> of, first of all, uh, uh, again, again, he doesn't have that many lines. So the fact that 90% of this is him looking off to a teleprompter is infuriating. <laughs> and here's the thing. It would make sense if it was if he was just a guy on a, on the street but he performs for a living. What is happening? How does well, it's he- a different skill set, Gina? It's a different skill set. That's like saying you're a good improviser. Why can't you juggle? You uh, perform uh, for a living. Okay, okay. I mean, I get it. I get that. Like the the storylines in wrestling are are here's your storyline now. Real. Im- now totally improvise real. it. Now improvise it. But still, he's used to he's used to performing in some capacity. It is, well, it is yeah, kind of the- strange to me because, uh, uh, real quick, Jan, uh, uh, wrestling, so much uh, wrestling is improvisation that for a wrestler to be a bad improviser is sort of insane to me. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lick of sense. That's the thing, though, is that this is an improvisation, and it's uh, what a lot of uh, old school wrestlers complain about today and have for, you know, uh, 20 years is that they're handed scripts. And they're used to being like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to fight you this weekend and I'm going to do things to you. I'm going to tear you to pieces. And and they're really good at that extemporaneous thing. But when they're t- when they're handed this thing and saying like, OK, don't forget, you have to mention, you know, that uh, uh, the darkness enfolds you and that uh, <laughs> you're going to be on a high cliff top and you are going to be the champion of all. And, you know, like uh, muskrats will sing your praises like you you hand that to someone. And and even if it's sort of in the vein of what they do they'll be like uh, uh it's, all right i get uh something about uh mountains and uh mong mongoose and <laughs> that's almost certainly what's going on here but also because they, they're isn't, giving a bit it's like, not live they could have literally just fed him his lines and then turned the camera on and fed him another like which is which is you know like I'm not I'm not going to sell anyone out, but uh, the amount of time that I've spent working in television, there's always a story of someone who needs to be fed every single line. Usually it's someone who's a little bit older. I'm right here, Gina. You don't you know, that's kind of (laughs) offensive. We tell Ray what to say in advance on this podcast every week. That's Uh, why it takes 10 hours to record an episode. (laughs) I I write much for this show and uh you imagine uh, uh, you're some guy you never heard of. I was like, yeah, I'm a writer on knowing it's half the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just, just first of all, what was this? What was this vignette about? He, this bit, oh, okay, oh, he's lifting okay, weights. He steals the drink. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good bit. You kind of see it coming. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. You saw that one coming, Gina? This one? <laughs> like, you were able to get ahead a, of the logic. But here's the thing. For a little kid, you probably wouldn't or you would. And it's still hilarious because you're thinking, like, if you played this prank on your brother, it would be amazing. Oh, yeah. No, Hillbilly Jim. It's this dark liquid. Like, of course, it's going to be something <laughs> terrible. And, you know, uh, Big Jim's, uh, uh, Big John Studd's like a jerk. And so, of course, you want to see him get his comeuppance. Um, he drinks it. It's possum porridge. He tried to steal the beverage. Yeah, because yeah. you, you're supposed to think it. it's Coke or, or some sort of cola. Uh, Gina, you uh, came from a, a, a backwater town. Surely <laughs> you know what a possum porridge. I mean, you call uh, uh, a spaghetti sauce uh, gravy. So obviously you are an untutored rube. No, Tell me, what di- is possum porridge? Different, different kinds of rubes. But but if I was going to make possum porridge, first of all, it's entirely made of, of roadkill. Uh, ma- uh-huh. Main ingredient is possum roadkill. You put it in a blender for a while until it's pretty sludgy, and then you add mm. some caro syrup to it—the dark kind of caro syrup, not the not the—and then a little a little bit of water, water and caro syrup, and mostly mostly possum. Although you might also throw a squirrel in there. Can I tell you right now? I just Google search possum porridge, and like the only thing that comes up is a clip of this video. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's not really a thing. If not much has been written on it since 1985. (laughs) Like the, the, they constructed this joke and like, obviously it's going to be something nasty in a jar that a person has to drink. What, what possesses you to come up with a thing? Possum makes total sense for hillbilly Jim. Yeah. But porridge is a thing that, you know, like you eat with a spoon and it doesn't like, if it were that watery, it wouldn't. Here we go. I, I don't a, buy it. A little bit further, uh, there's a there's a dish called burgu, b r u g o o. It's otherwise known as roadkill soup. Uh-huh. It's a spicy stew similar to an Irish or Mulligan stew, often served with cornbread or corn muffins. It is often prepared communally at a social gathering. It is popular on the basis for civic fundraisers in the American Midwest, no, and South. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. To me, Whatever. to me, this name makes sense for a cartoon because if you're talking to a little kid porridge it, porridge sounds gross like porridge yes. is is like oh that's what orphans in musicals eat and it's not good and it's like when your parents won't let you have the flavored oatmeal they give you the unflavored oatmeal because they want you to watch your sugar intake and then you shit in their bed later uh wait, fun wait fact, right. whoa whoa fun whoa, fact whoa. my kid gets uh unflavored oatmeal yeah i mean of course now you should give your wow. kids unflavored oatmeal. It's it's like wow. it's like when I was little, my my mom wanted to get the regular Cheerios instead of the honey nut Cheerios, but to appease me, she would put bananas in it. Uh, oh, uh, I do okay. give my kid honey nut Cheerios. What? I I give my I give uh, my kid honey oh, nut Cheerios. Oh no, you got to get the regular man. The sugar no, content I'm, is way lower. I'm the cool dad. No, Sorry, can't help it. no. Yeah, okay, Mister Unflavored Oatmeal. You're not that cool. Because here's the thing my my mom would have my, my mom would have baggies of it in her in her purse. You know, like all all parents do in case your kid throws and a fit. And that's why you're a heroin addict now. Yeah, exactly. You just get that I only, experience of I only a enjoy things out of baggies. Uh, but but because I wasn't used to the Honey Nut Cheerios, I was totally fine eating regular Cheerios as a snack. And then later, as an adult, I started eating Honey Nut Cheerios, and I was like, this, this is fucking good. And now when I go back to regular Cheerios, I'm like, you suck. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. 
Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Back to G.I. Joe. Well, we've taken way too long to get to this point. We're at the halfway point (laughs) of the show. Hey, everybody. Uh, We got it. We got because this is why we're actually here. Uh, Ballot box boneheads. uh, We open up with a reelect vote, reelect major, major, major Tom, Mayor Phelps. Uh, Mayor Phelps is the corrupt. We don't know it yet, but he's the corrupt mayor of Hulk Hogan's city, whatever Mm -hmm. city that is. Um, The city. You learn that he's corrupt because uh, Hulk Hogan is going to buy a hot dog, and it Which, turns out there is a enforceable hot dog tax enforceable by a tax man on the street who sees people eating hot dogs and shakes them down for money. Nope, that's a cop. Yeah, that that's, is that's a cop. A cop. Use cops to enforce the laws. This, this holds up. He's still uh, an agent of doom. But also, can I just say, 22-minute episode, second hot dog reference. These people are obsessed. I actually wrote that down. Because they had a whole vignette about hot dogs earlier. True. And then now yep. this opens up with hot dogs again. I don't know why they think this is the only snack that exists. Because hot they're Americans. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't okay, like hot so we, dogs as a kid. So they say you could pay the hot dog tax, which is a hundred dollars. It's a hundred dollar fine for not paying the hot dog tax to the hot dog vendor on the street. Uh, or you can go to jail. So the guy's like, I guess I'll find you a hundred dollars to pay the fine. Now, in my mind, if you're giving out registrations for hot dog carts, shouldn't that tax already sort of be included in that? Maybe I'm no, uh, I'm no fiscal responsible adult, but you know, look, you don't know how corrupt mayors work, Ray. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Not till I am one, at least. Um, <laughs> so the mayor himself, it turns out, is a crook. He, he, uh, his goons bring him parking meter money. He cuts out a portion for them and then keeps the rest for himself. Which, by the way, the mayor looks like a ventriloquist. Yes, he does. Like like he's clearly a villain because he looks like a creepy ventriloquist. He does. Oh, my God. That's real funny. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is a visual medium. We could put a picture of him up. Uh, But yes, Gina nailed it. He looks like a ventriloquist. (laughs) Um, I just wrote here, our vote makes a difference. Sure. Uh, It turns out there's an alternative candidate uh, named Jones. Okay. And Jones is up against Phelps. And apparently this election that's happening like this week. And nobody knew about it. 
Um, they set up a ring. He's because sending around vans that say "Vote for Phelps." Yeah. To me, How, you, don't, you... you don't think our current president would have vans just around the country the last four years straight, telling people to vote for him if he thought he could get away with it? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything, what? Chan. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure how to answer that, so uh, I went with the old tried and true. Yes, uh, I'll take it. But th- so this is the beginning of my of my confusion. So I wrote down one of these wrestlers can fly because yes. they start ba- basically the wrestlers want to help the good guy get elected, and so they they start doing things, and they they so one guy goes to hang a banner, flies sideways mind you not not glides he flies from one branch that's next to him which is not how flying squirrels work no that's how they work uh, yeah, we were frankly trying to simple we're trying to simplify it for you gina the actual physics of how jimmy superfly snooka takes to the air is really beyond your puny girl mind <laughs> all you right that's uh, i'm not touching that's that fair. with a 10-foot battle prod <laughs> Um, so they're setting up, they're setting up a stage for him, but of course, since they're wrestlers, it has to be an entire wrestling ring because that's probably the best way to your candidate. That was fun. Uh, Andre the Giant crashes through the ring, of course, which they have to rebuild quickly. My, by Um, the way, Andre the Giant, my, my favorite, because everything I've ever watched about him or heard about him, Mm -hmm. he seems like he was genuinely a sweet man. Yes. Have you seen the HBO uh, documentary about him? I can't remember what I can't remember what I watched, uh, uh, but I don't think I've watched an entire documentary just about him. It uh, is the opposite of those Vice uh, documentaries. It is very sweet and uh, yeah, yeah, he comes yeah. off like a really nice guy. I was my, actually my favorite... I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I don't oh, know I was... if anyone got to see the uh, the live sort of Zoom table read of the Princess Bride. But I was quite pissed off at who they chose to replace him. Was it Josh Gad? It was Josh Gad, and I, 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 I why, am why, not why a, I'm not a Josh Gad convert. I don't get his appeal. Uh, I, I understand that like he's Olaf or something like that, and and what do you mean, or something like that. That's his biggest role. I know, but I, I've never seen, I've never seen Frozen. Maybe if I had, I would have liked it. But I've seen him. Gina. I've, I know, I know. Kids. She doesn't have kids, Jan. It's okay. No, she no. no. Have Here, kids. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I am, I am a huge, huge, huge Disney fan. Like have have art in my house from Disney. Have have Mickey Mouse salt and pepper shakers. Have an annual pass to Disney. So it is a shame that I haven't that that I haven't watched that one. And I've seen Moana and, and all the other ones. For some reason, that one escaped me, and I've been meaning to go back and. And I've seen Brave, all the ones that that sandwich around it. I've seen, and I know it's good, and I might love him after that. But I was like, how how is like I, I don't know. And I know he's prob he's probably a nice guy, but to me, Andre the Giant is such a sweet giant man and and i was annoyed when i saw josh gat also his microphone was off during anybody want a peanut and i was pissed <laughs> look josh gat uh, like i'm gonna say right now i'm gonna take a quick moment to talk about josh gad because this guy is a great performer a great talent i believe he was the original lead on the book of mormon on he broadway was, he was and yeah. he killed it uh he was on a show called the comedians with billy crystal which yes it's white guy uh humor but it's very well done white guy humor that i very much enjoyed about an old comedian and a young comedian uh behind the scenes like documentary style of them doing a sketch comedy show together which okay. i thought was wonderful and he was great on avenue five 
uh, with Hugh Laurie. Uh, okay. He plays a complete asshole on that show, a very self-centered, okay. useless billionaire prick, as I see all billionaires to be. Okay. And uh, I have yet to see Josh Gad in literally anything, and I've seen him in a bunch of stuff now. I have never seen him in anything where I went, I didn't care for his performance. Okay. I that's fair. Love Josh Gad. I haven't seen him in much. I've seen him on talk shows, and he always seems a little bit smug. Oh, I believe it. He absolutely is. Uh, oh. But it also comes from having th- that sweet, sweet Disney money. Uh, okay. Is, okay. But but to me, you know, if you're going to replace Andre the giant, humble, humble man that he is, who seems just happy to be there. And like, how did he get so lucky with a guy who I've only seen on talk shows? that seems a little smug. <laughs> That's fair. I, I Honestly, I believe Josh Gad's political posts on Twitter are probably more the reason he got that gig than anything else. Okay, interesting. Because very he's, outspoken, he's, woke. He's woke pro dude. Princess Bride. <laughs> well, that was a pro Democratic candidate. Yeah. Event. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'll, I will defend I'll say Josh Gad with my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing here is that there is literally no one in the world who can fill Andre the Giant's shoes in a literal or metaphorical sense, uh-huh. and. Basically, anyone who attempts to is going to eat shit on it. So basically what Gad is doing is he's uh, throwing himself on that grenade because yep. nobody's going to be able to do it right. Nobody's so gonna be like, yeah, I will take it and, and okay. people are going to hate it. But like, you know what? I'm doing it for the good of the the good of all of this. That's fair. And he is good with voices. So he did. He did sort of sound like Andre the Giant. Uh, my partner mocks me whenever, uh, we get to the, uh, uh, the Olaf songs in, uh, Frozen uh-huh. because I laugh. I genuinely laugh cause it's a funny bit and they're like, Oh, you're, you're a Josh Gad fan. I see. <laughs> I, Which, I, it hurts. It hurts a little bit, but. But also I do, I do appreciate the fact that he, he came from Broadway and then crossed over because it happens so rarely and Broadway folks are such amazing actors. And I wish that they would get more of the sort of star power that they deserve. It, it's like Adina Menzel and Josh Gad is like who people, who people know. Keep it real, though. Broadway actors, and I'll just be real, they're 10 times more talented than anyone out here in Los Angeles. Oh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> and I'm not even trying to be mean when I say that, but they just do so much more, you know? Absolutely. And I and I appreciate when they're, which Disney is usually pretty good about, when they're put in, in movies where they have to sing, as opposed to just like, let's see if Gwyneth Paltrow can sing. She can't. Who cares? Uh, so I, I appreciate that he was, he crossed over and did, and did this. We, I just think he needs to be slightly less smug on talk shows. See, we, we, we call that the Russell Crowe approach to casting your music. Right. E- exactly. Uh. Exactly. Which that, that like I saw not to be one of those dicks, uh, but I saw that was the first musical I saw in New, in New York when I was like 15. My friend, wow, Jean, look at you. I went with Fancy. my friend Jean Sabloff and her parents What's uh, Jean up to these days? You know, she's got four girls, I think, still wow. living in New Jersey. Uh, uh, maybe three girls. Does she call it gravy? I think three girls. No, she's 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 some sort of white, uh, uh, some sort of like you know, like pure pure some white, sort of like white. like England type white. Uh, this is starting to sound a little Aryan. <laughs> and I'm concerned. She is the purest race. <laughs> now that I said it, I don't know what kind of last name Sabloff is. Uh, uh, she uh. she. <laughs> She has a lot of savoir faire, I'm sure. Uh, but she was one of my best friends nope. for years. Nope. Very hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, Gina. I just need to acknowledge yeah. <laughs> what Ray said and to slap him down for it because that is not okay. 
That's not okay. Guys, I'll be honest. I, I'm done. That was my best line of the night. I'm not, I'm not going to get any better than that. He <laughs> his microphone off for the rest of the night. <laughs> Click. Uh, but yeah, I saw that. Wait, your peanut it line's coming up. Fucking great. And then Russell oh Crowe was not the same. I enjoyed his performance, but look, he did not have the vocal chops to pull off that role. Uh, let's move forward in this show. <laughs> uh, we got... The- Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! So, uh, so Phelps, the evil mayor, has decided to get the heels to work for him, uh, including Iron Sheik, and each one is going to have a special role in his government. And this sounds like eerily familiar. If you help me get elected, you'll each get to take over a certain aspect of my organization. So, Rowdy Roddy Piper will be the chief of police. Iron Sheik is going to run the fire department. Mister Fuji is going to be head of transportation. Uh, Fabulous Mula is going to be in charge of education. Mm-hmm pretty on the nose and Nikolai Volkov is going to be in charge of sanitation a la Tony Soprano. Wow. This is a little on the nose for the year 2020. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, and also, yeah, at some point he's, he's just at one point, he's just saying, all right, you're the, you're the head of, you're the head of chief of police. You're this. And this is exactly how Trump picks his cabinet. He just has a rogues gallery of idiots and and petty criminals and then he says, all right, you're, you're head of education now, screaming chic. Uh... <laughs> now, this is the thing that kills me because the big thing for Jones here is that the wrestlers and Jones are going to do a tire campaign where they was like for free. They'll change the tires on your car. Uh, if you promise to like vote for Jones or something like that, it's some sort of weird uh, tit for tat. And what kills me about this is the bad guys just camp out outside, throw a nail under the tire or something or break the pop the tire of one of the cars is just driving away. And then they replace the tire with the tire from that person's own car. And they say, see, the mayor Jones, he he, he flattened your tire just so he could change it. This so is a good scam, a by the way. This is a real yeah. good scam. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, like because if, if that had happened to me, if I was, like, driving away from so- somewhere and someone was like, oh, shit, you know you have a flat tire, what probably happened is they probably scammed you, I, I would have a moment where I'd be like, motherfuckers, I'm going to look them up on Yelp and see if this happened to anyone else. There it is. I just hope people are dumb. So, I mean, you know, dude, two sides of the same coin. <laughs> I feel like, like you it, just called me dumb for saying I would buy, I would understand if if I immediately got a, a flat tire if, that maybe someone I'm sorry, sabotaged if the, me. If you felt you had a flat tire just outside of getting your tires changed and the Iron Sheik came to your window <laughs> and said, oh, that criminal broke your tire. And then the tire from your own trunk got changed out. And you drove away thinking, boy, thank God the Iron Sheik was here to help me out. I would say that you are not wary in the ways of the world. Okay. That is all. That is all I will say. <laughs> it sounds like you're calling Gina stupid. No, I knew yeah. you were going to say that. I'm just there waiting for Chan to say this that. Is, this is your revenge for me making fun of Josh Gad, isn't uh, it? <laughs> well, look, uh, look, I'm a Gadhead, as we call ourselves. And uh, this ourselves is Gadzooks. Uh, no. No, we call ourselves. No, didn't you? Weren't you going to turn your mic off? I feel like I remember. I probably should have. (laughs) I I, I couldn't go that long without talking. Wait, so so we have to we have to discuss how Rowdy Roddy Piper sounds here because I like I recognized him. He's one of the only. I keep saying this about wrestlers, but clearly wrestlers from the eighties. I I do know uh, uh, to to some extent, Um, but he's he's very recognizable. And so I immediately assumed it was him. And then when he talked, I was like, wait a second, is Kilt Guy not Rowdy Roddy Piper? And I tur- I, I got Chan a clip from They Live so that, so that you could hear the oh back-to-back comparison wow. of this wow. bullshit. Yeah. 
because it's an insane voice performance and it's insane that he's supposed to be Rowdy Roddy Piper. Don't get it another thought, Mayor Phelps. I know how hard it is to get tickets to see me wrestle. Here's a couple of free passes for my next match. That's, That's Rowdy Roddy Piper on the show. That's the cartoon yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper, Charlie Adler, a.k.a. Lowlight. This is Rowdy Roddy Piper in They Live. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> Wait, that was the same guy. What are you talking about? That sounded exactly the same to me. The, the voice here, performance sounds like he's doing a... Tiny Toon Adventures version of Casey Kasem. Oh, you're right there. <laughs> and now we're going to go on to the top 40. Like, it's it's just insane to me. I like the short breaths he takes while he's doing it. Yes! And I'll tell you, I'm the guy. And I'm doing... I, 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 <laughs> and it just say, and it's hard to get tickets to my shows. I'll be honest, I think I need to play in the reboot of this show. I need to play Rowdy Rowdy Piper is what I'm hearing right now. Uh, I pulled another clip because I think it is even more properly representative of the greatness of one Roderick Toombs, a.k.a. Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's hard to get a rise with me. Mr. Wonderful. I've heard. It. Mr. Wonderful, you heard that he's wonderful. Uh, you've been talking to the apes and the giraffes and chimpanzees again, haven't you? Mr. Wonderful, I think to myself, sometimes late at night, I'll lay back in my bed. I'll close my eyes. He won't even cross my mind. <laughs> Not a damn thing about him. The other day, though, I was in a store. People were talking. Never mentioned his name. Are you starting to lose your hair? Am I what? <laughs> well, I see you've got a little, little, little receding hairline. Uh, you'd be an expert at it, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, you would know if someone was starting to lose their hair, wouldn't you? Tell me something. Did you start to lose your hair on the top of your head all over? That is Ready Ready Piper. So wait, which one was that? Was that the cartoon or was that? I can't tell the difference between the two. <laughs> wait, yes. so that actually was Rowdy Roddy Piper? <laughs> yes. That was hey, a legit. Rowdy I'm now Piper respecting from... Charlie Adler's performance more and more the more okay. I hear them back to back. Okay. Now, now I kind of get it, to be honest. Uh, he has like an uh, unhinged kind of uh, gear that he can go into. Okay. That, uh, yeah. And he Pretty did great. his his voice is several octaves higher also, which is because that was the other uh, weird yeah. thing. Okay. All right. I take I take it back, Charlie. Whatever your face is. Uh, 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 he's low light. He'll murder you, Gina. Say it right. <laughs> no, I mean now. Like I'm glad Chan found that because I was again just thinking of him from They Live when he has a very deep, calm even voice and that Truth. sounded nothing like him to me yeah well he was acting in that oh. that's a different like i say his character in they live is like 50 percent rowdy roddy piper's persona and the other 50 percent the exact opposite of rowdy roddy piper's persona so the fact that that's the only thing that you know him from um means you need to watch more clips like the one chan just played <laughs> okay I know you're trying to be mean. I just think like that's that is the Roddy Piper that I know, the one who would invite people to on his like talk show at Piper's Pit and then beat the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, you're you're gonna want to watch the uh, coconut promo, so that'll to sort of get you. All right. Um, okay, so uh, we find out there's some commercials made with like stock footage. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that was something. That's that again. This is a little too close to home, considering that every one of our the two presidential candidates only makes commercials with stock footage that he bought. <laughs> Also, we're, we're coming up on the end of the episode. 
this is this is an oh shit, holy crap moment because there is oh, yeah. voter fraud. Legit voter fraud. Yes. They literally rip the ballots out of the boxes and throw them in the trash. Uh, and if it wasn't for the fact that uh, <laughs> if it wasn't Are we going to talk fact- about Mr. Fuji assaulting the journalists. Uh, you know, again, this all just tracks too well close to home oh. right now. <laughs> but also, yeah. the moral of the story is that Trump is right. There is widespread voter fraud. Thank you. Anywhere uh, and Roddy also Roddy that he is the one committing it. <laughs> yes. Well, he was right about half of it. Well, also, there was literally just a news story that it it was a weird blip, but it was uh, that there were that there were seven ballots that had been thrown away. All said Trump on them. Yes. Uh, well, okay, Gina, do you know the full story behind this? Yeah, because because immediately when I heard the story early on, I thought that's a Trump supporter faking that shit. Mm-hmm. But the, the reality is Pennsylvania has naked ballots, which say you have to put your ballot inside an envelope before putting it into the other envelope. Yes. And if they open up the envelope and the second envelope isn't in there, they throw your ballot away. They're actually in court right now. Uh, the Republicans uh, uh, of Pennsylvania to enforce this rule. And wouldn't you know it, all of those uh, ballots, all seven of them that got thrown away, did not have the second envelope inside the first envelope, which means they were illegally cast ballots, according to what literally Republicans themselves Mm -hmm. are in courts fighting to make happen. So no voter fraud, I guess. But also they still haven't proven that it wasn't just that someone didn't just throw a bunch of like just scribble Trump on it throw a bunch of well, like it's 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 all very fishy is what i'm saying and and someone else like one npr pointed out that even if it is legit that's such a negligible it's like 0.002 percent of vote seven votes is so negligible there were also but trump is using it as proof there were also two other ballots in with those seven that didn't vote for him that also got thrown away for yes, the same reason yes. so, ooh, go figure anyway we're talking about hulk hogan here people stay on point <laughs> uh, Phelps wins the election because of massive voter fraud, which means that uh, Roddy Roddy Piper has turned all the cop cards and uh, plaid, and he has made all the cops wear kilts. Uh, San, uh, uh, transportation, Mr. Fuji, has gotten rid of all the red lights, and, and that's fine, creating massive traffic problems. Again, this is very close to home. Uh, a, a trash can with all the ballots. Uh, we cut all the trees down uh, as well. No school. School's out forever, according to uh, Fabulous Moolah, the Board of Education, so there's no more schools. Again, close to home. Uh, it turns out that the sanitation, uh, thank God Nikolai Volkov is incompetent because he brings over a bunch of ballots in his trash can and then or tr- dump truck and then dumps them all somehow for some reason, dumps them at the feet of the person in charge of counting ballots for the election or whatever. They have a recount and it turns out that uh, Mayor Jones did in fact win and they set everything right again. This episode is over except for one amazing live action sequence to finish. Yeah, and this one, so I don't, I don't, these are two guys that I don't know, uh, uh, Jimmy Hart and something, Jerry. Jimmy Hart, mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, he's a great manager. Um, Terry Funk. Terry Terry Funk of the famed Funk Dojo, yeah. Terry Funk, and, and, you know, at least they're not looking at, at, uh, uh, teleprompters, but. It's again, and this is, you know, this is something like if someone was trying to do a laugh in knockoff, I guess, I guess I get it, but it, it's, there's a very weird non-burn burn that I asked Chan to pull up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the basic premise of this uh, real quick and then Chan, you'll play the, the burn, but Terry Funk is, is playing a cowboy in this. That's kind of his general go-to gimmick. It's just Southern redneck 
guy. So he's kind of roping a chair, pretending like he's roping a steer. And Jimmy Hart's like asking him, hey, let me play with it. Let me play with it. Because Jimmy Hart, he's like a yippy dog. That's his whole gimmick. He often has a megaphone that he, or a bullhorn. What do you call it? Megaphone. That's right. That he brings to the ring and he shouts into it and wears jackets with his own face on them. So I always like the guy. Um, uh, uh, Terry Funk has to go answer the phone. And Jimmy Hart is given the rope. And he ends up getting wrapped up in his own rope. And Chan. It's a real long walk for a real uh, weak punch. And the punch doesn't have um, anything to do with the bit before it. Like, that's the crazy part is that you could have eliminated most all of it and still had the same bit. Yeah. Yeah. If this were like a 10 second thing it was, and he's like, hey, hold my rope. I'm going to uh, answer the phone. And then we cut back to Jimmy Hart all wrapped up and he goes, "Ah, he's tied up at the moment. Like, OK, that's fine. But this was like a. um uh, it was like a minute and a half sketch yeah. for just that one line. It was the setup like was insane. Forty-five seconds of Terry Funk twirling a rope while Jimmy Hart shouts at him. Like it was great. <laughs> uh, but yes, the uh, the weird burn that is not a burn. Jimmy, I can't teach an idiot how to rope, but I can teach you. <laughs> I I had to play this back about three times because I yeah. thought I misheard it. Yep. I can't I can't teach an idiot how to rope, but I can teach you. Yeah, which is I, it, it, it. The it, construction should be I can't teach an idiot uh, uh, how to rope. I, it, no, it's so I, I could teach an idiot how to rope. I will teach you. No, no, right? it, it should be I can teach anyone to I can teach pretty much anyone to rope as long as they're not an idiot. So I can't teach you. Yes. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Uh uh that's that's how you would construct that joke in the room. This it almost feels like he read he read the teleprompter wrong or something <laughs> because he says I can't teach an idiot how to rope. So in this setup, you know, he's saying you're an idiot like cuz because the line that precedes it is can you teach me to rope? And he goes basically no because I can't teach an idiot to rope, but I can teach you and it so you're makes not an idiot. No sense. It makes okay, no, no okay, sense. Okay, hold on. I feel like it's. Uh, can you teach me how to rope? I can teach. I can teach an idiot how to rope. So yeah, I can teach you. But he clearly says I can't teach an idiot. Can we hear that one more right, time? Right. Yeah. Can we hear that one more time? I just for my sake. Jimmy, I can't teach an idiot how to rope, but I can teach you. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. He definitely says can't. Like, it would be like if someone who shall remain unnamed said, can anyone explain Legion to me? <laughs> and, and then Chan said, I can't teach an idiot Legion. And then I said, I can teach anyone who's not an idiot Legion, but I can't. So I can't teach you, Ray. Wait a minute. Oh, when did I, I get involved in this bit? Whoops, I, oh, I said the wait. name. <laughs> oh, but yeah, this this was really upsetting to me. Uh, 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 for, for for all the reasons that were previously stated, and I and I immediately got hung up on it and missed sort of the payoff at the end where he's where you know there's a ringing phone, so the one guy gets off camera, and then in the meantime the other guy accidentally lassos himself. You literally did not miss anything, Gina. <laughs> it is one of those things that Gina pointed out earlier, and I disagree with only to a point, but these are professional entertainers. <laughs> these are professional performers. I mean, you can't be do simple 30-second sketches. No, these guys were better than the giant from earlier. Uh, uh, again, because they weren't... But but I will say the, the guy that... The, the cowboy 
he is, it's like he just took quaaludes or something because he's oh, like, yes. he's like, oh, that's Terry Funk. Oh, a, ring, uh, a ringing phone. I guess I'll, he's like Droopy <laughs> Dog or something. He's like, I guess I'll go answer this ringing phone. Like, there's no, at least the Yappy Dog guy, I'm like, all right, he, he's, he's emoting. <laughs> you know, the more you learn about Terry Funk, the more you're not far off on that premise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's our show. Boy, we, we had a lot to say about this one today, guys. This we was, I mean, long. honestly, this was the perfect type of suggestion because it's yes. just bad enough and it g- gave us a lot to talk about. So thank you, Channing Sherman. Yeah, this was really, really good. Look, most, I mean, look, most, the first Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, I literally got visibly angry. I didn't even want to do the show anymore <laughs> after I watched it. Wait, you uh, put it out three years ago and we didn't take yeah, it. Yeah, sorry, Gina. I didn't let you guys know about it. I should, I, because I, I know you would have. So I just didn't want to put it out there. Um, this was great. This, I, I actually, actually enjoyed both of these episodes for what they were. Um, didn't hate them. Uh, and just, and, you know, I get to talk about wrestling some more. So, you know, it, it, happy days for me. Win win all around. Yeah. You know I'm saying. So, Chan, I believe we have something else we want to do before we get out of here. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, this thing. It's time for the theme song throwdown. We are in the final bracket of the third quadrant. I don't know Uh, what that means. I'm looking at I'm looking at the spreadsheet here and uh, it's trust me. It's epic. It is. There's all sorts of notes and notations. Will we be done uh, before quarantine ends? Absolutely not. No, no, no chance. We're going to keep it going. We'll be done before 2024. Okay, good, good. <laughs> we need to give people something to look forward to every week while we're stuck in our houses. I mean, here uh, it's it's getting thick here, and um, uh, I don't I don't know how how tough this is going to be, but these are definitely two of the greatest of all time. Of all time, uh, they're both actually uh, Patreon uh, requested, so. It's going to be a tough one. Okay. Let's start it out. Here we go. You may recognize this song. Tina, what were you saying about long theme songs? That that is different. First of all, that wasn't four minutes oh, by sh- even close to it. And second of all, it was it was different throughout the whole thing. 
I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I do love Danny Elfman, though. You give me any any Danny Elfman any day, and I'm happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said that this has actually been his most popular in his entire career. And also, (laughs) the, the, the fact that they that they include you know diegetic and non-diegetic sounds in there with like Maggie sucking on the pacifier sort of interrupting Wait, the music d- and busting into the music and the the hum like L Ron Hubbard I don't understand like uh, uh, Scientology <laughs> God damn it what, what do you mean by diet what do you mean Pick by Dianetic uh, sounds <laughs> I did. It was called Dianetics, and it changed my life forever. Now they have all my money. <laughs> I knew it, and I'm happy. I Thank knew you. it. It means it, it's it's a film studies term that means like diegetic sound is that it's it's in the world. It sounds that are in the world, so it includes like anything like voices to a horn honking, and then non diegetic sound is the opposite. So it would be it would be like a score or something that you know isn't isn't affecting the characters the characters can't hear so the fact that there's that that they're including elements you know into the song that are happening in the world like the way the horn honking is is timed perfectly to the music uh uh versus you know the the maggie sucking on the pacifier followed by the price coming up and it making a little noise. The fact that they sort of interweave those is very, it's very clever. It's a clever way to do. And it, and it also just evokes all of those images. Like, I feel like we could listen to it and recite exactly what's going on. Oh yeah. No question. No, it's one of the all time great theme songs. I'm real curious, like what's going up against it because, uh, uh, Chan promised two all time great theme songs. And I'm very curious to hear the second one. stuff right there that's uh uh didn't uh what's his name write that the uh big bang chuck theory Lurie. guy yeah chuck so Lurie. big bang theory could not have happened without this so Dang. factor that in boy boy those are those are two of the all-time greats you were not lying yeah this um, is hard and also one thing i really liked about the teenage mutant ninja turtles is all the dianetic uh sounds that were coming through <laughs> when uh in the middle yeah, of the song yeah. yells i love volcanoes <laughs> And um, I felt like holding on to two cans and getting my energies red. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then Michael, and then all of a sudden Donatello's like, stress test me, bro. You know, and so it's, it's, you know, I liked all the Dianetic sounds in there too. Oh, uh, I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) 
I don't have no idea which way I'm going to go on this. This is crazy. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, my mind changed several times. I feel like I feel like the I feel like the Simpsons soundtrack is helped by the person that wrote it, whereas the Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtles soundtrack not helped when you find out who wrote it. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, all all kidding aside, and I hate the Big Bang Theory with <laughs> the fire of a thousand suns. I can separate it out. Uh, and for me, basically what it comes down to is that um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is very much of its time, and Simpsons, you can play it 100 years from now, and I think it'll still Almost, read yeah. exactly the same way. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I go Simpsons. You're going for Simpsons? Okay, Gina, yeah. uh, where yeah. are you feeling? Uh, so, so, you know what? I think... I thought the exact same thing midway through that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles song that that Chan did, uh, which is I was bopping along to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was singing the words, which I love. I was thinking, oh, I could be cleaning my apartment and this would be running through my head. Uh, uh, but but the nostalgia factor on it is high and the sort of 80s slash 90s factor is high. And I think it wouldn't really read the same today as it did when it first came out. And if I was hearing it now for the first time, I would think, oh, this is good. But I think a lot of it is is nostalgia factor, whereas Simpsons is, is to me, pure craftsmanship. Uh, uh, just yeah. the way the instruments fuse together and coupled with that sort of... Uh, uh, Nostalgia factor. I was a I was a, a nerdy girl who played saxophone. So every time I saw Lisa Simpson play, oh dang, the sax, I was very excited. Um, but yeah, just the instrumentation is great, and and artists have covered it. I was just looking it up, and like crazy <laughs> artists have covered it. Uh, it's not it's not like a terribly easy sound song. Um, and I think like Chan said, 200 years from now, it's still going to be just as good. It's still going to be just as loved. So I'm also giving it to The Simpsons. Yeah, this is going to be a clean sweep for The Simpsons. I mean, uh, uh, I think both songs do an excellent job of explaining like what's happening. Although The Simpsons does it with no words, which is real clever. Um, but you just look at the, the uh, Laurie versus Elfman, um, both very talented uh, at what they do. But Dan Danny Elfman just has a spot in my heart. Uh, for all kinds from the Batman 1989 score to the Sledgehammer theme song to freaking Beetlejuice, for gosh sakes, uh, to this, to the Simpsons theme song. I'm going to go with the Simpsons as well. It's a clean sweep. Wow. And, uh, Is this the first and yeah, and that's nothing. Uh, no, 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 we've had a couple. Um, the, the whole thing about it, though, is that I don't want that to take away from the Turtles because this Turtles theme song is excellent. Yeah. It's just going up against the juggernaut here. That's all. Yeah, I think I think there are there are several rounds that Turtles would have taken had it been up against something else, but this is a tough yes. Simpsons is just tough to beat. And especially it does all that with no lyrics, which is amazing. Yep. Yep. Uh, into it. Now, yeah. uh, Simpsons, Rodney, let's face it, round 2 is just murderer's row of one after another. So, uh, uh who could even say where we're going? It's all going to depend on matchups, but uh Simpsons uh, a very great song deserves to go on to round 2. Wow, what, a, what an amazing theme song throwdown this week. Let's go ahead because we're running awfully long this week and we'll get right to the final stuff. You can hit us up on facebook.com slash knowing us half the podcast. You can join the knowing us half the pod, knowing us half the podcast group. 
I could learn how to speak. You can also hit us up on Patreon.com slash Knowing is Half the Podcast, like Channing Sherman did at the $20 uh, Patreon level. You can suggest episodes, and we will do them on the show. There's also a Patreon vault at the $5 level, which gives you over 400 episodes of this show, dear Lord, that you can listen to whenever the heck you want to in any order that you want to, spanning the last five years uh, plus. Wow, exciting stuff. You can hit us up on Twitter at G.I. Joe Podcast, or individually, I am at Almighty Ray. At 999 RPMs. I'm at Gene Ippy. And uh, you can check us out next week. We're going to talk about part two of The Greatest Evil, the drug episode of G.I. Joe. Uh, catch me on Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast. I never mentioned that earlier. And The Who Would Win Show. Those are good, too. And Chan has a AEW uh, throwback show. And Gina is writing on television for The Unicorn. Am there, I? I- now, I just feel good that I, I plugged everybody else. I didn't just plug <laughs> myself, so I feel a little less self-centered now. But but seriously, check out my shows, too, uh, and do that first. Okay, bye! <laughs> Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always, am I the winner? Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator. And even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com.